Hello and welcome to the T's and C's podcast. My name is Tasha Duffy. And I'm Christine Barnes. We're all guilty of sending podcast length voice notes, so we decided to share them with you. In this week's episode, we have mum and travel fanatic Aoife Birmingham. Aoife talks to us about what it's like to go through child loss, dealing with the grief, and how you only get one life to live. So make those 900 months count. Welcome, Aoife Birmingham. Yay. Welcome. Hello, Aoife. How are you? I'm great, thanks. How Finally, <laughs> so glad to meet you because I've yes. talked to Aoife online for we since we went to Barbados yes. that time, me and Aoife Devlin. And yeah, it's finally nice to finally meet you. It's great to meet you in the flesh too. I know. Give you a big squeeze. <laughs> so tell us, what got you started on Instagram? Oh God, this has gone back a while and yeah, it's mad. Um, okay, so I had... In 2016, my daughter was nine months and nine months old. I got pregnant again, delighted, wanted two kids really, really close in age together. And unfortunately, I um, went for my anomaly scan at 22 weeks and I found out that my son had no heartbeat. And he was born, stillborn a few weeks later. We're getting oh, into God. the deep stuff quite early, yeah. but you did ask me how no, my Instagram no, started. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so I had, it was the most horrific, horrific, horrific day of my life, 28th of September um, 2016, six minutes past four, I remember oh it. God. And I get pulled back to that moment every day of my life, to be honest, since then, every day, it's it's a part of my life now. But um I had to, yeah, I went in for my scan and they told me that I had no, that, that Oshin had no heartbeat and, you know, where do you go from there? It's just all your life literally just yeah. changes and flashes ahead of you. Um, and then over the next few days, I had to go in and I had to give birth to him. Um, I was induced, so I, I had to give birth to him naturally. Um, and it was just such a horrific time and stressful time and life-changing experience like it was a massive trauma yeah, you know I had PTSD after it I I really started looking after myself straight away though because um I am a very bubbly happy person and yeah. within three weeks I was going to counseling because I said to Bobby I need to work on myself now because I I just don't want this to be the biggest trauma that's going to change my life forever I want to fix and start working and I want to be open and talking and I said if I'm not talking then there's a problem. Yeah. So I was talking to everybody. I was going to my, I found a counsellor, as I said, started going to counselling within three weeks. Even he was saying, God, we know when you don't get people till yeah. about nine months down the road. So, you know, you're being very proactive. Yeah. You kind of know that you need to start working on yourself now, even though you're still like, I mean, it was all so raw and yeah. so fresh. But you still had a little you know? baby as well that you needed to be strong for and stuff oh, yourself. Oh, well, that's exactly it. Yeah. Because if I didn't have Kyla. Yeah. As I said, I had had an ectopic before it had Kyla. I'd spent years trying to get pregnant. So as I said, it was kind of like if it was the other way around, if I had the ectopic and then I had lost Oshin before yeah. I had Kyla. It, you know, you can't really think about how life works out sometimes like that. But I was thinking if I didn't have Kyla at that moment of time, she was my rock, yeah. like my saving rock. Saving grace. Oh, the absolute saving mm. grace. Like, like I couldn't imagine not having her she was my therapy she was a major part of my therapy in helping getting over well not not getting over but helping me deal with the trauma that I was going through at that time um you know I had a really strong network of family and friends massive massive like you really like when you go through such a traumatic experience like that especially when you have a child that is stillborn the amount of people that want to be there to help you 
but they don't know what to say and all that kind of stuff. Um, But the support that I had, oh my God, even strangers, like I just found the kindness of strangers, friends of my parents, you know, I found out friends of my parents who'd lost babies, who'd never gotten to be able to speak. People were telling me their stories, okay? People who never had a voice were telling me their stories. People that were told to brush under the carpet. This is what we were just saying. You know? So many things you go through in life, especially personally, in my opinion, I feel that reflect on experiences that women go through. It's almost like there's some sort of shame with it. As in when you're younger and you get your period, oh, don't tell anyone. Like keep your stuff hidden. Put it when you're going to school, put it in a little makeup bag. Don't show anyone that you have it. Hide this. Don't wear that color when you're going out things to do with pregnancy like I've obviously I've never been pregnant I don't have kids so there's a lot of stuff that I know when I eventually do hopefully get pregnant and have a baby that I'm not gonna know even though I've been around pregnant people we're not taught this stuff yeah so it is all about women supporting other I know that's often thrown around women supporting women but it's so true we need to all share and open our experiences and these people did share and open their experiences you know I had people like emailing me like at this time I wasn't on a social media platform so these were all just real like people that were in like a circle say of my family and my friends and just so many different people were messaging me saying I've I've been, been through, through this. this. I've had a miscarriage. I've had a stillbirth before 25 years ago or whatever. Do you know what I mean? So many people. And I was like, these women were never given the opportunity mm-hmm. to have therapy, yeah, to speak. Like when I was in the hospital with, um, the, with Trish, who is the midwife, uh, bereavement midwife in, okay. in the Rotunda, I turned around to her and I said, how do I deal with this? Do I talk like I actually asked her, do I just go home and forget about it? Because that's what I like. This this is the genuine words I Mm -hmm. said to her. That's what has happened in the past. Like, that's what people do. They go Mm -hmm. home. They just get on with their lives. And she goes, no, that's how we did tell people to do it in the past. We've learned so much in the last few years from talking to the women that are in here and what they want. What they've told us is what we do. They want their baby remembered. They want a funeral for their baby. They want their baby's name to be known. They want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. These are all the things that women want to do. Now, whatever you want to do, Aoife, you do. But I was like, I don't know what to do. But I know I want to like, you know, I want to be able to remember this and I want to be able to not forget about it and I want his name known and I want to give him a name and I, I, you know what I mean? All this stuff. So they were amazing. They really were amazing and they helped me. Again, I did counselling in the hospital. I did counselling privately as well. Um, So that's, that's where the whole thing came about with going on social media. So, I started a blog, right? Right. On WordPress or whatever. I I did a lot of writing back then because that was part of my, my therapy was my, my therapist said, journaling is really good. Write it all down. And I wrote in that journal like every day for months. Okay. And even looking back when I read it now, like, it's like, I'm so glad I did that because the person that wrote that has come so much in that time. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm a totally... I'm the same person, but I'm a totally different person yeah, because I've had yeah. such different experiences. Yeah. And we all get the choice in how we want to grieve. We all grieve in our own time and we all have our own individual path when it comes to grief. And mine, as I said straight away, was this is not going to be the breaking of me. Even though I'm a broken woman right now, yeah. I'm going to start working on fixing me because I need to be fixed. And I need to have a voice because so many women didn't. 
And as I said, I'm a talker <laughs> and talking is my therapy. Yeah. And I didn't want to be shut down and I didn't want to be, I didn't want all these other women to be shut down. So anyway, I started writing, 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 writing in my, my journal. And then I was like, I want to write a piece about this whole period of my life. And I want other people to read it, you know, because I want people to know that they're not alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want these women that were not able to talk for over, for hundreds of years that yeah. were told to get on with life, go home, have another baby, go home, get on with your life or, you know, just just fob it all off when they didn't want to. And women were broken and it did ruin a lot of people's lives. And I did not, as I said, want that to be me. And I don't want it to be any other woman in the future unless that's what she wants, unless a woman does want to grieve like that. But I find in general, most people, they will grieve in silence, but they silence, but they also want to know that they're not alone. And that's the most important part. And as I said, I wrote the piece, I published it, I think within like three or four days, like 17,000 people had read it. I think I shared it on my Facebook or whatever it was yeah. at first and just amongst my friends. And then it got picked up by like a couple of, you know, magazines and, you know, RSVP live and all that kind of stuff. And they asked, could they publish it? And then I said, okay, so this was on, I, I published it on this blog that I just set up like yeah. two days previously. And I called it Mum on the Run because I was always busy with, you know, my little girl yeah. and I um, didn't want to be like a mum on the run as such, like, you know, of life. I just yeah. wanted to, anyway, I was actually, um, this was all about a year later. I'm going back a bit. I actually got pregnant quite quickly after I lost Oshin. Um, about 12 weeks, three months later, I was pregnant again. So that first post was a year later. So my okay, son, yeah. Senan, who is now six next month, was born a week, uh, sorry, a week to the year later. Right. So I lost, Oshin was born on the 2nd of October and Senan was born on the 19th, 17th of September, sorry, the 19th of September, 2017. So it was like, you're, you're, you're going through that whole year of firsts. I also still should have been pregnant for quite a bit of my pregnancy with Senan. So that's where a lot of my writing and stuff okay. and my journaling came from was all that. So look, I suppose you asked me why did I start Instagram and that's it in a nutshell. It all started with a little blog that I yeah. set up and a blog post and it spiraled from there. And the reason I set up the Instagram account originally was to just have a platform where I can talk about losing, you know, like, as I said, I, I had a ectopic, I had a stillbirth and I openly spoke about that with people and so many people yeah, I can imagine. have shared their stories with me. You know, it's incredible. I've made friendships with people. Um, The people that have come into my life through this trauma um, have been just amazing. So that is originally how the Instagram thing started. And it's kind of grown a lot of legs. Yeah, (laughs) a lot of legs. And just before we move on any further, I just want to take a step back to what you're saying, because I know a lot of people won't know. Can you explain a little bit what an ectopic pregnancy is? Yes. Okay. I didn't know either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I was, I, I got pregnant and. So this was, was your first pregnancy? My first pregnancy. Yeah. pregnancy and I, I'd had about three years of trying to get pregnant. Okay. Went to see a fertility doctor and then he was like, there's nothing wrong with you, but you might need to take this tablet just to have more eggs. Clomid, it's called. So I took that and I got pregnant within six months. Delighted. Yeah. Absolutely delighted. And I uh, found out on my birthday, which was. Um, last week, 24th of July. So I found out on my birthday, 24th of July, 2014, that I was pregnant. And then 10 days later, it all just started to go haywire. 
um, I had a little bleed. My sister-in-law is is a midwife. So I rang her and she goes, oh, anytime you have any bleed, um, just go straight into the yeah. hospital. So I went in and I was in and out for about 10 days till I knew oh, wow. what was wrong with me. Yeah. It was a really horrific experience because um, nobody threw out the word ectopic. They just kept saying, oh, we have to check your hormone levels in your blood. And then I'd go back and then there was a bank holiday in between all this. And oh, it was, yeah. Um, so they had to do loads of blood tests. Now they knew, in the long run, I know that yeah. they knew all along that it was suspected ectopic. But nobody threw out that word. And I was asking what's wrong. I was like, we just can't find anything at the moment. I was like, what do you mean you can't find it? Like, what does that mean? Yeah. I, I was a bit naive too. I didn't ask the questions I probably needed to ask. Maybe I was a little afraid. Of course. And... Um, a little naive and scared. Like I was just so scared. I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know what was yeah. wrong. I was like, well, if there's like, what, if you can't find anything, like. What's the issue? What, Why am I here? Where's the baby? Yeah. Like, where's the baby? You know? And how far were you gone at this stage? So I would have been about five and a half, six weeks then. Okay. Um, and so you had the little bleed, sorry. And then did you continue, like, did you have more bleeds over that time that you were in not, the hospital? Not really. Okay. No, I didn't. So I kept thinking, oh, it's just, you know, because you hear people having a little bleed and yeah. then you're fine and then you go on. Um, but no, they kept bringing me in for these hormone blood tests. Okay. And they said, if your hormones double in 48 hours, then everything's fine. You're pregnant. If they don't, then you're not pregnant. So I was like, okay. And then they kept saying, it's so cloudy in there. We can't, like, it's so, it's it's very hard to see. Like, and so I didn't have, I just didn't know what was going on. No, anyway, eventually after all this, they they brought me into, they put me into a labor ward, right? Pre-labor ward. So there's women in oh, no. labor, right? I know what you're going to say. Yeah. So there's women in labor. To be honest, this was, yeah, like, you know, losing Oshin was horrific, but this was yeah. like a prelude to that. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It was horrific. So they they brought me in. They were like, we're going to keep you overnight. And um, we're, we we think it's suspected ectopic. And I was like, I didn't even know what ectopic. Yeah, like, yeah, I knew what the word was, but what was it? Mm -hmm. um, so there's all these women in like with their babies and I can hear the heart monitor of the babies oh, yeah. because it's blaring all over and they're all getting ready to go down to the labor ward. And I kept pulling my curtain over, you know, I was like, I don't yeah. want to see this. I don't want to hear this. And then the nurse kept coming in, one of the midwives, and she kept saying, OK, so this girl's going, she's in labor and she's don't give her a list because she's fasting. And this girl here is suspected a topic like, you know, so the whole room could hear, yeah. you know, it's like 10 people in a ward. And I just kept going like this. I don't want to see these women. I don't want to be here. And I just said to Bobby, I'm not staying overnight here. I'm leaving. Yeah. So I just I was about to go a wall, like I was about to have a nervous mental breakdown in the hospital. It was the middle of summer. I was sweating. I didn't. I still. I didn't know what a topic was. Yeah. Nobody was answering my questions. They're all so bloody busy coming in and out, in and out. It is a busy hospital. So I said, I'm leaving. So I basically signed my life away. <laughs> I had to sign a million forms, and they were like, Look, if something happens to you, you have to come in straight away. Like because if something happens and this bursts, you can die. And yeah. I was like, I'm willing to take. I was willing I couldn't be there I know I couldn't be there so at this stage what had they explained to they you they didn't really explain much they just said okay. I'd have to get an operation right I kind of was googling what yeah, it yeah. so look basically it is the egg getting stuck in the fallopian tube okay. and not being able to move past 
to grow the baby okay. and the baby starts growing there the effectively it can, yeah and that's when it can burst and a lot of okay. women don't find this out till much later till like 10 11 the, weeks like nearly burst yeah and, yeah. and, and you can die from it like, yeah. you know plenty of women have I remember that remember Charlotte Crosby well I was from... literally going to say that that the only reason why I yeah. ever knew what me. one mm. was is because she had a platform and she had a voice and she spoke about it yeah and said what had actually happened but I do know of another case where there was a, a woman who obviously didn't know that she was having an ectopic pregnancy yeah. and obviously was going through all this pain and blah, 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 and got rushed into surgery. Excuse yeah. me, surgery. And when she came out of the surgery, they had removed the fallopian tube because there yeah. was nothing that they could do and she had so, no say over it. This is all part of my story and I'll, I'll get on. Wow. This is all part of my story. So I went into the hospital, checked myself out, yeah. okay, and... Um, were you in pain? Like, like, no, I pain? wasn't. No, you had no. So pain. I remember, I was saying I had the bleed, and then yeah, the bleed stopped. And a, then you know, if yeah. I didn't have my sister-in-law, I probably would have been like, oh, I'm, grand. Yeah. I'm grand, yeah, yeah. I'm pregnant, yay, yeah. you know. Um, so I rang up my sister-in-law. Yeah, was in the hospital, went home. They're like, you need to come back within. You need to come back in in forty-eight hours because what happened was, um, I was just brought upstairs, and Bobby signed me in. Um, I have health insurance. Bobby didn't put down that I did. So okay. I was in a ward, okay? Now, not that that has any no, difference or anything like that, but on this particular day, I was in that ward and I really, I found out that I should have been actually, regardless of who you are, regardless of who you are, yeah. sorry, whether you're a public or a private, private patient, yeah. this is a, I, there's, there's a room that they have, right? It just, there's two rooms that they have. The hospital was just so busy that yeah. day that those rooms weren't available, okay? Because other women were using them, okay. okay? There's two rooms, room 35 and 36 in the Rotunda Hospital that are used specifically for when that happens to a woman. Do you woman. mean two rooms, like one bed in each? Yeah, like ward. a separate bedroom. No, two separate private okay. rooms where women, regardless of who you are, mm -hmm. if you're going through a loss, you, you're, you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you're put there. But they were, you know, as I said, a busy hospital. It's the busiest maternity hospital in Europe. Yeah. So, you know, it doesn't, um, it's not their fault. So anyway, I just went home. I said, I'll be back in in 48 hours. Okay. And I came back in two days later and I was fine. Nothing had happened in between. Um, and I checked myself into the hospital and I had armed myself with so much information in that two days. Okay. I was so glad that it worked out for me yeah. that I did go home because in that two days, I take a while to process things like, um, like I need to go and get a lot of information yeah. before I just have to make this really quick decision. So I have a few friends that work in the, in the, in, in the healthcare industry. And one of my friends works for the Royal College of Surgeons and she would be like, she'd work with all these, um, the consultants in the Rotunda. Okay. So she was saying what you need to do when you go in there because you've got an ectopic if you don't say to every single person in that room, even if it's the person bringing you in tea and the cleaner, you say, I don't want to lose my fallopian, fallopian tube. I don't want to lose my fallopian tube. You tell everybody, every doctor, every nurse, every person you come across, everything you tell them, they have to by law write on the chart. So I have let everybody know as soon as I went in that yeah. day, I don't want to lose my fallopian tube. I don't want to lose my fallopian tube. Um, and... Anyway, I went in, had met an amazing doctor who was on duty that day. Even all the people from the early pregnancy unit that I'd been in and out seeing for yeah. the last 10 days came up to me. I think I must have been known in there as the girl who checked herself yeah. out. I'm and, good. And, risked yeah, and, and risked her life. Yeah. And uh, 
came back in. They were all coming up saying, oh, look, this Dr. Rishi, he's amazing. You're going to love him. My friend was even saying to me, the girl that works, she was like, Dr. Rishi, when I rang her, I said, this Dr. Rishi fella's going to be looking after me. She goes, he is amazing. Everybody loves him. I felt so comfortable straight away. And then he came in and he had a lovely bedside manner. And I, he goes, like, he asked me, how are you feeling? You know, what are you, like, do you have any concerns, all that? So I felt like he was the first person that was actually really listening, listening yeah. to me interested in you yeah and like yeah what you were yes, there for absolutely amazing bedside manner i'm sure there'll be lots of people listening to this going oh dr Reed, he's amazing he's retiring this year but oh, anyway he'll be a actually, huge when loss. you mentioned the name i think he might have been on this series the rotunda was he um he was actually yeah yeah, yeah he, was, he was he was him. yeah 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 um, but anyway, he, and my friend was like, he, when you do get pregnant, he is going to be your doctor. You're going to love him. He's amazing. And he was. He's done all my five pregnancies. No way. <laughs> yeah. He's delivered four out of my, four babies, four of my babies. Um, but anyway, so I met him and he listened to me and I said, I, I really don't want to lose my tube. Like, I really don't. I've had such a journey to get here to be yeah. pregnant. Uh, you know, I've been in and out of the Harry Clinic, which is the fertility clinic. I've been to the early pregnancy unit. I've been to the emergency room here. Now I'm about to go into theatre here on my first pregnancy and it's ectopic and I'm so scared and I'm so nervous. It's not how I anticipated it. You know, my first ever pregnancy. And I really, I really want to be able to have another baby. Yeah. And, I, and I know you can still have one with mm-hmm. another, but I really just, if there's a possibility, please, please do everything you can to save it. Okay. Let's go, right? I know I told you I waffle a lot. Girls. No, I, I go off on I'm, a tangent. I'm invested. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, listen, just where's the pop? So I, I, uh, I went into surgery anyway, and I was just because I was so more equipped with the information. Yeah. I knew what an ectopic was. I knew what was happening, and I've asked mm-hmm. and I've spoken. I felt I've been heard. I was actually a lot calmer. I was dealing with this is what's happening now, yeah. and I have to deal with it. Yeah. And let's just let's just let's just do it we've yeah. got to do it let's go head on come and on Aoife, you know yeah um so I went in and Dr. Rishi came in to me then a couple of hours later I was in room 35 um a lot of women who have had a loss in the rotunda oh, will no. know that room um and yeah I was in the room and he came in and I was quite groggy after it and it was late at night he goes Aoife I'm going to come in to you first thing in the morning but I just want to tell you I'm going to go through all the operation with you and everything I just want to tell you because I know it's really important to you is that I saved your fallopian tube oh so, wow I get so emotional because I felt like my voice was heard, was heard. you know and it doesn't happen to everybody not everybody does I know. Yeah. but I was so happy like so happy I knew it was such a tragic thing to happen yeah but I was just so happy that my tube was saved I don't know why but I just was delighted um, and he came in the next morning and he had photographs. And basically he said, I'd had a massive stomach problems for like two years previously where I'd be out of work. I'd be doubled over in pain for a couple of days and then I'd be fine and I'd move on and I'd be fine. And then I'd be sick again a couple of months later. So what he said, it looks like you must have had like some stomach issues or stomach infection. Okay. And what it did was it created loads of ex- your body healed itself because I never went to the doctor. About yeah, it. your body healed itself, but it created loads of excess tissue in your stomach. I was like, no wonder I had all that weight. It was all the excess <laughs> tissue. But he said what it did was it put a kink in your fallopian tube. Okay, so that's why so the there egg was tissue just kind of like in the way, in the way yes. around the tube on the outside of the tube. Wow, and that's what happened to that poor little egg that didn't make it was it got stuck because I'd had that stomach infection. Yeah. And he said, all I needed to do was remove the egg and I just took that excess, I just slivered it off 
And now your fallopian that? tube is perfect. Wow. And I was pregnant eight weeks later with Kyla. Stop. Mm. I had one period and then I was pregnant, pregnant again. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, since that was since that fallopian tube was fixed, I became the most fertile woman in Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> Literally like I well, got, I was, pregnant all the t- I was pregnant all the time for oh like four years. Um, so yeah, I had Kyla on the 15th, exactly another a year later story. Um, a week, a year later, I had Kyla on the 15th of August, 2015. Nine months later, pregnant again with Oshin, gave birth to him on the 2nd of October. Then I had Senan the following September. Okay. Had a year break. And then I was pregnant again with my uh, daughter, Ava, who is now three. Okay. So that's why I keep, when I was saying Senan was born on the 17th of September, Ava was born on the 17th of September and Senan was born on the 19th of September. So I get their birthdates always confused. But um, Expensive month. <laughs> yes, I blame Christmas. That's what all I'll say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all the bad weather having to stay in. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Stevens's day. Stevens's day. It's all... Anyway. <laughs> I won't say anymore. I'll get into trouble. <laughs> so in terms so. of Oshin then. Yeah. So you went for your, what did you call the scan? So your twenty, your big scan. We yeah. all call it the big scan. Yeah. The anomaly scan, it's mm. called. So I decided not to go at 20 weeks because um, after being pregnant a few times, I found out you see a bit more at 22 weeks. Okay, like, you know, the faker. features and yeah. stuff like that in that 20, 22 weeks. So I decided to go at 22 weeks. And like, I remember just being on Snapchat. Just, you know, I didn't have a Snapchat, just, you know, friends yeah. thing. And I just remember recording a video of, uh, you know, me saying, going in to see my baby on the big screen, you know, so excited. And I remember, um, yeah, I'd just been up to Penny's. I bought like a baby outfit, you know, like a snowsuit, uh, like a cute little fluffy one up in Penny's. So I bought one of them and I bought a few bits and I left my Penny's bags in with Dr. Rishi's receptionist, went off up to the, the big scan room the Grania suite, they call it, and sat down on the bed and literally 30 seconds later, my whole life changed forever. So I said, I went in at 4.05 on the 28th of September, 2016. And by 4.06, my life has not been the same since. Um, Basically, she put the thing on my, my belly and the gel and I just remember her putting her hand on my stomach and she said, Aoife, I am so sorry, but your baby has no heartbeat. <laughs> I was just like, I turned to Bobby and I said, what did she just say? Did she just say our baby has no heartbeat? I was like, what does that mean? And then I just looked up at this. It is a huge big screen of a lifeless baby. Sorry. Sorry, do you want a tissue or anything? Normally, when you go for that scan, you see, you see the heart go. And there was nothing. Absolute nothing. Just the shape of the baby. All the hands, the legs, the limbs, the head, all perfectly formed. But nothing happened. So she said, I got to run out and get Dr. Rishi. I just said to Bobby, like, this is not real. I said, you have to pinch me. Because this cannot be happening. This is not how my life is supposed to be. Sorry, I probably do need a tissue. No, I'm going to get you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I said, this is not how life... This happens to other people. Yeah. It doesn't happen to me. Um, 
so yeah from that day on um as i said life changed thank you thanks Shane. <laughs> um I haven't had a big cry about this in a long time. <laughs> no, and it's good to be able to Oh, I love yeah. having a cry. You need yeah. to. Oh, you need to. Yeah. You know, you're not human if you can't have a good cry every now and again. Exactly. It's my story. You know yeah. what I mean? So. It happened to you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, Dr. Risha came in and he explained what, what was going to happen. Amazing again. Like, you know, we went through it all. And he said to me, Aoife, um, what's going to happen is you're going to have to give birth to the baby and I was like like do you mean you're gonna like bring me in for like a c-section he was like no you're gonna have to give mm-hmm. birth he goes technically I have to um you have to leave the hospital here today and take this tablet which is going to bring labor on he said but I'm not going to do that I'm going to let you go home I'm going to give you the tablet and you take that at home when you're ready okay um <clears throat> Which I am, as I said, I need to process things. Yeah, I am not. And he obviously put... knew that all right, like yeah. from meeting you again, like that would not have that again would have had a huge experience, yeah, um, different experience for me. Take the tablet there and then when you're still trying to process no, everything yeah. and walk out the door of that hospital, walk through, like you're walking out of that hospital with people coming out with their yeah. babies and and their scan pictures and everyone like this, oh, you know, yeah. so happy. Um, you're walking by so many different experiences you're walking by people who are on drugs who are pregnant and smoking outside the hospital you're walking by people who are happy because they're bringing their baby home for the first time and you're walking in amongst all these different types and backgrounds of people after being given the most devastating news of your life and nobody knows because you're walking with your head down anyway i went home and uh, dr reedy said when you take the tablet, you're probably going to go into late. You will be in labor within 48 hours. Um, so, you know, Bobby had to ring my parents and um, had to go home to Kyle. Like, just went home. Like, I don't know, pair at the time, Christina, um, she's still a huge part of our, our family. And she had a big thing, like, on the wall because she knew I was going for my big scan saying, welcome home and all. And she was even, I was texting her. She was like, oh no, everything will be fine. Don't worry. Like the baby will be fine. I was like, no, the baby's not fine. You know? Because um, I was like, we're going to be late home. So I went home. And again, it took me two days to take that tablet. Because when you go to bed the night after after that news, my baby's still in my tummy. Yeah, You're going to bed for the first time after being told a few hours previous. How do you sleep that night? You don't. <laughs> How do you, you know, when you eventually fall asleep at like half three in the morning for an hour and you wake up that morning and it's the first sunlight again and it's a new day. It's a new day of the rest of your life. How do you wake up holding on to your tummy knowing that the baby is no longer alive? It's so, so hard to get through those days. And I remember, I remember I needed to go up to the shop. I just needed to get out of the house. I needed to do something normal. That day I went up to the shop and I met a friend of mine from school, James. And he was like, Eva, I had a bump. Yeah. He goes, oh, it's delighted to hear that you're pregnant again. And I just, I, I was like, I, I told him, I said, straight away, I said, look, don't feel, I really don't want to upset you by saying this, but I've just found, it's, it was such a weird conversation because nobody expects you in the supermarket, of in those stores to turn around and tell them that. And I was always thinking about other people's feelings yeah. as well. Do you know? 
And I was like, I could see the shock on his face. I was like, please, I'm just going through this right now. Please, I feel like I've put you under like pressure or stress just by saying this. And he was like, oh God, no, I don't even know what to say. I was like, there's nothing to say, like, you know. Anyway, I went out, my friend came up, my friend that was working in the Royal College of Surgeons at the time. And she was saying, so I think this was like a Thursday or something that happened. It was a Wednesday. And she came up to me on the Wednesday and the Thursday and she stayed with me. She's a, she's one of my oldest, longest friends. She's always there with me in like a crisis. And she came up to me and she was like, you know, the hospital's really quiet on a Sunday. It's probably, you know, that'd be a good day. So maybe take it on Friday, which was tomorrow. Okay. Maybe take it tomorrow and then, you know, it won't be hustly and bustly in the hospital and you won't be around all, you know, yeah. other people and stuff. So I did. On the Friday, I she came up and I had the glass of water on the table. Like, that's just such a weird experience. Like, mm. to have to take a tablet and know that that's going to put you into labor to give birth to a baby that's not going to live, that's not alive. It's a horrific, horrific. I would not wish it on anybody. No. I really wouldn't. You wouldn't wish it on anybody. And I just, all I remember thinking is, I don't want anybody to ever have to go through this. Can I be the last person on earth that ever has to go through this? And sadly, I'm not. Um, and another friend of mine was pregnant at the same time. So I'm going off forward a little bit, but I'm just, I'm trying to, I didn't want people to have to avoid me. Yeah. My friend was pregnant at the time. A few weeks later, I'd given birth to Oshina and all that stuff. And she was like, I said, oh, come on up for a cup of tea. She goes, if you know I have a big bump now, I don't want you to be upset. I said, all I ever wish. When I walk by any pregnant woman, I don't want any ill. I don't feel like. Any ill will towards Or, or, or I don't yeah. feel. Jealous. Um, or, no, and I don't yeah. feel like I'm going to be upset by it. Mm, yeah. I literally mentally in my head go, I wish you the most safest, happiest, healthiest pregnancy. And I wish you to have a happy bouncy baby boy because that's all I wish for anybody do you know what I mean yeah. I would never turn around and go I wish that like I w- obviously you like wish you that you don't deserve that oh I, I would didn't never I right just, that yeah. doesn't even come into my brain I have met people that do think like that I know and it's it's just it's not the right way to feel it's really it doesn't benefit anybody because nobody wants anybody to go through that anyway go back to that Friday I took the tablet went for a massive big long walk along the coast and I just sat there with Kyla in my arms I have a bench I call it O'Sheen's bench now it's along the coast uh, between Port Marnock and uh, Malahide and I I walk by it every day I sit on it on most days but I sat there for two hours with Kyla in my arms crying looking out and I always think of that as being kind of O'Sheen's final resting place in a way because I feel like all you see is the horizon you see this beautiful sea beautiful scenery and it's just like the world goes on forever. Yeah. And I just, when I'm out doing my sea swimming and all that, I look out there and that's where Oshin is yeah. in my mind. He's there because I sat for two hours talking to myself, talking to Oshin, talking to Kyla. As I said, I had my two babies. I had my one in my tummy and my one sitting on my lap on, yeah. at that for those two hours. And I really, really reflected on life and how I was going to deal with this situation that I am in and how I want it to be. I am the master of my own life. And you really, really, I just didn't want my life. I didn't want to be full of trauma and, 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 uh, 
negativity and I just didn't want that path in life. I had to take the path of positivity and good things and good vibes because that's who I am naturally anyway. I didn't want to turn into a bitter person. I wanted to be the bubbly Aoife that's always been there. I didn't want a piece of her to be missing. There is always a piece of her missing. But she's also built herself up to be a really strong, happy, resilient, thankful, grateful person. What happened to me and what happened to Oshin is awful. He did not get to live a life. I did. So I live every day two lives. I live for him and I live for me. Because he wants... He didn't get to do all these opportunities. I've opened up myself to everything. I do every opportunity I want in life. I go and I get it now. Because he didn't get the chance to get the opportunity to do things. And I feel like he pushes me on all the time. All my kids do. To be a better person. And just to take life by the horns. Because you only have one. He didn't get one. So I'm living it for him. Um, And I gave birth to him. On the 2nd of October. um, 2016. And funnily enough, it's actually the day of the guardian angels. It's the feast of the guardian angels. So I always think he was born wow. on such a beautiful day. Like, yeah. I didn't know that. Just one of my friends messaged me that day. She goes, he was born on the feast of the guardian angels. He'll always be your guardian angel. Sorry, I'm getting all snotty now. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, look. Again, I had to go. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's fine. Again, I had to go through um, planning a funeral. So I I had to go through giving birth to a baby who was not alive. Also planning to go into hospital. I'm going into a maternity hospital. I don't need to pack baby clothes. I don't Mm -hmm. need to pack nappies. All I packed was a nightdress and a toothbrush and a pair of clothes for going home the next day. And again, walking into a maternity hospital with people with babies coming in and coming out. Yeah, I mean, I knew I was not coming out with my baby in a car seat to go in the back of the car. Like I was coming in. Um, to bring my baby out in a wicker basket to be cremated, you know? Yeah. Um, so he had the option to... Um, um, so he stayed in the chapel. I didn't bring him home. Um, because what happened was they say his heart stopped <clears throat> about... He stopped growing at 16 weeks. 16, okay. 17 weeks, they say. So they, they reckon that he, um, yeah, he, his heart stopped at about 17 weeks. So I went in at 22 weeks. So for every week that your baby is not growing in your tummy, they go back a week. So his body oh, wasn't in. I didn't know that. Yeah. So he kind of went back a few weeks because mm. he wasn't growing. Mm-hmm. Um, so his body wasn't in great shape. He was better off being in the hospital, um, in the chapel. And again, I went home. For a few days, planned the funeral and just looked up, you know, things to say and songs to be played. And um, then we got him. Um, I decided I wanted to get him cremated. Um, I just we don't have a burial mm-hmm. plot. Yeah, like I don't like the idea. No, and as of... you say as well, like the sea is like massive to you, <clears throat> yeah. and you're like. Yeah. therapy and stuff like that so it probably made more sense to you to I have him want than to a burial to, I yeah. didn't want to be buying a burial plot for the family now mm. I didn't want to be burying him with my grandparents yeah. because he doesn't know them yeah, yeah. <laughs> or them you putting know? him somewhere on his own yeah like, exactly I, like... I, I, so I I have a locket that I wear and I have his ashes in my bedroom and whichever one of us goes first he will be with us wow. or 
whatever way it goes. Um, but I wear a locket with his ashes in it because I said I always want him by my heart. Yeah. So I wear a piece of him most days. Um, and that was just, yeah, geez, planning, planning a funeral. Then going into the, the, the chapel of the of the hospital. As I said, I've seen all of the Rotunda Hospital. Nobody knows where the mortuary, not very many people know where the mortuary of the hospital is, but they they were just so lovely in there. They did his hand and footprints for mm. me, the two guys that worked there. They've since retired. Um, they they just made it really special for me. They had it all. They It was just so beautiful. And like I had to go in and pick up his, his casket, you know, and I had to put the lid on the casket and see his face for the last time. And um. I had it carried on my, I carried him on my um, in lap in the car to the um, the Chapel of Angels in Harold's Cross um, with Kyla in the back, you know, Bobby beside me, my parents in the car behind me um, and went off for a funeral, like, you know, and collected his ashes a few weeks later. And so it was just so many stages of that whole it was a crazy two weeks basically it was two weeks and then you're just left with a hole of trying to fix your life basically yeah. um so yeah it was it was it was a challenging time it still is yeah, you know you, yeah. you you live and breathe it every day but as I said I'm living the life that he never got to live yeah you know and being able to have a voice and speak and have a platform and write and talk and do bits and pieces I've done bits and pieces on the media with the bereavement team in the rotunda we've done things on Ireland AM and you know it's been a few years now since I've spoken about it there's probably people that follow me on Instagram that actually probably don't even know because I haven't spoken about it as much only coming up to anniversaries and stuff yeah. I'll mention it um in the last couple of years uh but at the start, you know, when it, when it was all kicking off with the, the the blog and the Instagram, there was a lot of, you know, people publishing. And as I said, I did a bit of TV work and things like that. Because you are very uh, open about it on your Instagram. Yeah. You do have um, Ushin's story. I have a story, yeah. Birth, I have highlights, well. yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have a question that I'm not sure if it's, it's I know it's not silly, but, yeah. you know, for obviously you've had children since and children mm. beforehand, um, there is like in terms of aftercare. So you have to go for a checkup with a doctor and stuff like yeah. that. So when you have either an ectopic pregnancy or a stillborn in both cases, do you go back then and they check you out? And as in, um, like, do you get checked and stuff like that? Is there a need to? Are they able to tell like that it was just something that happened? It was unfortunate. Yeah. So um, when you're going, like when you're under the knife, say, they, they check everything there and then yeah, afterwards, yeah. okay? Mm-hmm. Um, what they did was they asked me, did did I want to have an autopsy on Oshin? Which I thought was a bit of a strange question. I was like, yeah, of course I do. Of course I want to know what happened. But yeah. actually, they said a lot of people don't. Don't, yeah. Okay. You know? So I did want to know. And about oh, maybe a month or two later, uh, Dr. Rishi got the autopsy report and he brought me in and he explained. So it wasn't anything to do with my body. Like yeah. that's what the autopsy will say. It could have been something yeah. to do with the placenta. Yeah. Could be something to do. There's there's so many reasons as to how or why a child or a baby might be stillborn. Yeah. And in my case, there was no reason. His heart just stopped. That was it. And some people find that really, really hard, and other people can accept it. Yeah. And I 
whatever the outcome for me was, I, I have no choice but to accept it. Yeah. I fully accepted that it was just one of those things. Yeah. His heart just stopped. That was it. His heart was perfectly formed. It had the four chambers, everything. It just stopped. And that was, that was my, you know, there was no issue with yeah. me or my placenta yeah. or anything like that, which I suppose I was happy enough mm-hmm. to know as well. But, you know, if it, if it was something like that, you just have to deal with the cards that you've yeah. got. And they're great in there. Like they'd, you know, they'd explain everything to you anyway. So they just more so checked then and there. <clears throat> yeah. Right. Because yeah. because like you said, you still had to go through labor. You still had to yeah. go through delivery. You still had to give birth to a child, the same as a person who would then bring their child home. Yeah. Which in most cases they go back then when the child gets its, its che- monthly checkup with a, a nurse and they would check over the mother. So that's why yes. I wasn't sure yeah. if that same thing sort of happened for you. I know you got pregnant quite early, so yeah. you would have been getting checked. Well, anyway. they did always say try and have three periods or you really? know afterwards if you if you have a loss. They do try and say have. Mm. Um, I think it's three. They say it might be one, but I, I think it might be three. I think mm. they like to say have three cycles before you try yeah. again. You mm. know. But it's not necessary that they're going to bring you back in no. and check over. Not for me in my cases anyway. Yeah. No, not for in either of my cases. There wasn't. No. So then you got pregnant quite quickly after yeah, that then. Yeah, yeah, On both my losses, I got pregnant quite quickly. And very they do awesome. say that. They say you're still very, your body fertile. has memory. Yeah. And you're still quite fertile after a loss. Now, it's not that I was, you know, you know, planning or anything like yeah. that. It just, it, it just happened. happened. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you think know. with, uh, sorry. No, go on. Um, in the rotunda obviously like it's an amazing place and stuff like that and we're not like bashing it or whatever but in terms of you going in to give a stillbirth or having the eptopic pregnancy do you think there should be maybe a separate building or maybe separate wards to what like you going in seeing mothers coming out with their babies like should there be like a whole different section like (coughs) I think it's a really hard um, with the setup of our our maternity hospitals in Ireland are really old buildings, yeah. most of them, and they're just not equipped to even you know think of designing something like yeah. that. There is going to be eventually a new maternity hospital built somewhere. I don't know where Blanchardstown area, but that's probably not going to be for like ten fifteen years. Um, so. Yes and no. Yes, because it's horrific having to walk through that. Um, And you can see why women are bitter because they're like... You totally can. I mean, I used to... a ward when when you were in the ward for No, that that should never have happened. Yeah. Now that should never have... I should never have been put in that situation. But you're not the only person that I've known that to happen to. I've known... And again, as you say, it's so busy. It is so busy. There's like 8,000 to 9,000 babies born, you know, a Mm. year. Um, and again, as I say, I know it's not down to the nurses or no, whatever. It's just a chance of that's yeah. where your bed was, unfortunately. Yeah. But like, as I said, you can see why women are bitter because they're sitting in a ward with these other women and they're yeah. delivering and waiting to be delivered. And they're now, like, that didn't happen to me again, thankfully, um, because I learned that I needed to speak up for myself, yeah, too. Yeah. You know, but um, like. It's, I don't think anybody is to blame. No, no, yeah. Um, but I do think that our hospitals are so, and our healthcare system, that's a whole other topic anyway. We yeah. won't go too into it, but they're so overworked. They are angels in the, yeah. in, they literally are working angels in all our maternity hospitals, but in the Rotunda, because that's the only one I have an experience with, is they work 
really like we don't even know the half of what goes on in yeah. the background only because I go to a few events with the Rotunda and I know like my sister-in-law as I said as a midwife yeah I understand how hard of a job it is and they work really long hours and they work under really tough conditions because our healthcare system is so broken I know so when things like that when they're so busy yeah and they're dealing like they don't know who's going to come in on every day and how many people are going to come in on a certain day and who's going to come in and who's going to have you know a loss and who you know yeah. it's just it's such a high pressured environment um that it's just so hard to know and they're not equipped they don't have separate areas yeah, apart from those two thing. rooms and the rotunda they just don't have it because they don't have the space mm. i'm sure if you asked anybody that works there do they think it's a great idea they'd say absolutely yeah. it'd be an amazing idea you know um so i do like i remember i worked in a crash <clears throat> about maybe 10 12 years ago and um no probably 10 less than that Uh about eight Mm -hmm. eight to ten and I remember there was a girl and she had a miscarriage and then I had never even heard like how common it was yeah and then I remember uh, a mother came in and said oh I've had 10 miscarriages and I was like 10 Sorry, what? And then another mother was like talking to the girl again. I had this many and I was just like, oh, I didn't know this was so common. Like every second mother was like, yeah, I did this. I had this. I had this. So like, I know you're saying it's so busy. Of course, the rotunda is so busy. But like, again, I just think two rooms from what I'm hearing of miscarriages. Exactly. Is probably not a lot for Oh no! Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah, and maybe know? like, like obviously, I'm not saying I can solve the problem or whatever, yeah. but it's something I think to think. It's of. just unfortunate um, that from their side, maybe it comes down to, and this is going to sound horrific, and I don't. There's no other way that I can say it. Is in the hospital, their um, what's the word? Focus needs to be on saving life. Does yeah. that make sense? Mm. so as and it's not it's not an excuse no, I'm not I saying know, I yeah. don't disagree with you I completely agree with you like I said people extremely close to me have gone through very similar yeah to what you've said and other things and I I've seen it at home knowing what it's like having like watching someone go through that pain it's horrible but in that hospital they have to focus on protecting the life that's still there yeah unfortunately it should I agree with you definitely yeah. and if they could I'm sure that they, they would like you said if, if they got the option mm-hmm. could we do this they all of the staff all of the doctors nurses yeah. would be like 100% yeah. but obviously because they don't have the option the figurative in my opinion the way I would see it at the moment is they have to be there to protect the life that's still there yeah and but we also with the rotunda it's a women's hospital yeah so it's not just like technically it's a woman's hospital mm-hmm. so it's got it, it, they have women in there doing going in for hysterectomies yeah. you know so the, the second time I no, went I in with the ectopic yes yeah. Yeah. I didn't even yeah. know that wow. yeah there's older women I shouldn't say older women there's women because yeah. you could be in your 20s and have a hysterectomy yeah. so I apologise for saying well, that I was born but... in the rotunda <laughs> and my nanny was upstairs getting Having a hysterectomy a, yeah. no way <laughs> and when yeah. my mom was only my mom was 21 or 22 when she had me so my nanny had come down in the wheelchair and was holding me and the nurse came in and was like who had the baby because <laughs> my nanny was still young yeah, she was only yeah, in her yeah. 40s or yeah, something and gosh. they were like oh <laughs> yeah That's but yeah so they but it is. so the second time I went in after the topic they put me in a in a little ward before I went in um and it was just it was a very small private ward and it was just 
women going in for hysterectomy. Okay, so there yeah. was no like yeah. people in labor and babies crying, new babies crying yeah. and stuff like that. Um, so I didn't know that until then either. But yeah. it's, it's it's a women's health hospital. Yeah. So it's for all kinds of women. I knew they did in the coom because I had to go and visit people that had had that done there. Which again, when we were kids, that was like a massive operation. Yes. Like yeah. I know people yeah. that were in there and were in there for a week. Yeah. yeah. And now I remember I was oh, in you'd Southampton. Oh, you kicked out after a day. This is the thing. <laughs> and I only found that out when I was in Southampton. So I used to live in England and mm. I was, my ex's um, father had gotten an operation, a gallbladder. So that's like a keyhole. It's yeah. in and out, same day sort of thing. And I remember being in the waiting room. We were going up to collect him and we were in the waiting room and God love her. I seen this woman doubled over, like bent over, waddling to the bathroom and her partner was following her with it, like a, literally like a measuring jug. And I was like, what the hell is going on here? Like, whatever. And my ex's dad was like, they do hysterectomies, our day surgery now. And I was like, day excuse me. Jesus, oh and they were like, God. she came in the same time as me this morning. She's done. And she's going home this evening and they're waiting for her to pass her urine for her to go home tonight. Oh, and that's why she brought the measuring drug with her because she had oh had the hysterectomy God. that day and as soon as she passed it, she was going home. Whereas I know, like years ago, had the development... It is coming, but it's coming yeah. slowly yeah. for that sort of yeah. stuff, do you know? Yeah. Yeah. And again, none of you knew that because we're not told about this no. stuff. No, no. Well, we're do all starting I mean? to talk open yes. about all these I women health this. issues and yeah. stuff like that. So, so you were in the ward then with them, with people who were getting only Only for a couple of hours just <clears> before <throat> I was going. But again, I until the, until I was in there, because they know. said to me, we're just going to put you in a little ward just for a couple of hours before you go down to the theatre. Yeah. It's it's just women this time who are, who've are been in and are going for hysterectomy. Okay, yeah. so I was mm. like, oh, you do that here too? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, right. yeah, totally different experience. <laughs> the positivity that comes from inside you is like... It just shines. It radiates, Like, it really it? does. And as you say, like, people can be bitter and can yeah. be like, well, like, as you said, you were walking out of the hospital and there was people smoking and, yeah. you know what I mean? And you can see how easy it is to get that bitterness. But, like, you just chose not to. And, like, yeah. for... I know it wasn't just a choice. There was a lot of work. There was therapy. Mm-hmm. And, like, it really just... It, it shines out of you. And I like, I hope people do from this episode get that. Yeah. It's You're not. right. You have two choices. You really do. Like I, I'm naturally a really bubbly, happy, positive person. Yeah. It can be really annoying for some people no. sometimes. I mean, I have, my, I have ups and listen, I have about 10 meltdowns a day yeah. in my kitchen in front of my whole family just over the kids screaming and asking me for this and asking me for that. So I look, I'm You're not just normal. I'm exactly. Yeah. I'm a normal <laughs> girl from North County, Dublin, who has 10 meltdowns a day, but just tries to keep her shit yeah. together. Okay. <laughs> um, and as I said, you can, you have a choice in life. Do you want to be bitter, negative, angry, yeah. resentful person? Those words, even saying them gives me the ick. Yeah. Mm. No, I want to be happy, smiley, friendly, Kind, positive, and grateful. So that's the path I choose every day. That's not hard work. Yeah. It's easy for me, like, mm. because to be the other, to be resentful, bitter, that would be hard work for yeah. me. That's too much effort. Yeah. It's so much easier to be the other way. For me, naturally, anyway. Um, and I just, like, I've, I've never been a person that holds, I look, you could do anything to me, I would never hold a grudge. Like, I just, 
It's done. I've forgotten about it. It's not working. It's yeah. not working. Do you know why? Life is you're too the same. Short. I say to you all not the time. Not that I hold gorgeous. No, <laughs> like, I don't understand people who I've just... Told, they, yeah. they go around with a chip on their shoulder you know, then. They're the, the only ones person. that are losing out in exactly. life. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I say when Tasha's like, why are you not angry about that? And I'm like, because if I hold on to that anger, the only uh, person that's getting so hurt you. is me. Exactly. Yeah. They don't give a shit. Yes. They don't care. Yes. So yes. why yeah. should I sit there and Listen, hold the resentment in me? I don't give a shit what people think about me. I yeah. never have. And if I did, yeah. then that'd be a different story. So I don't care. I don't care what people think about me. I don't care what people who know me think about me. I don't care what people who don't know me think about me. I mm. just get on and deal with my own stuff. Yeah. Drama free, happy, yeah. positive. Whatever. If people don't that. like that, that's fine. But I am never going to hold a grudge, and I'm never going to own like hold ill will to anybody. Mm-hmm. That's just that's just you're holding in too much on your shoulders. Yeah. Then, like you know, I mean, I I've done it in the past. You know, teenager in your twenties when you're trying to navigate life, you'd be, I'd be angry at this person and angry at that person. Yeah. Then I just realized when I started going traveling around the world in my early 20s and seeing how different people live and how people are worse off than us. And we're, we're holding grudges and we're all like yeah. getting angry and bitter over this. And then there's people who are like living in the Have slums nothing. of India yeah. and in under huts in Thailand and they're happy as Larry. Yeah. They are genuinely happy and they have nothing. And that's when I got to see that side of life, I was like, there's me giving out about a girl that stole 200 quid off me on my yeah. deposit in my apartment in Lanzarote in yeah. 2000. I was holding all this anger towards that one person for years and taking it out on other people and yeah. I just let it go. Yeah. And then I just, from then on. I was yeah. the same. I always say I cried through my 20s and the minute I turned 30, I was like, oh, don't care yeah. anymore. Yeah. When you're 44, like, you're really Yeah, that's shit, what everyone then. says. They're like, wait until you get to 40. You just don't even care. Like, and I'm like, oh, I can't wait. Yeah. Well, I was like that at 24, though. At 24, I was just like, I don't care. I'm off traveling the world. I'm going to enjoy myself. Life is for living, you know, so. So tell us about travel. Um, Your Instagram page is fairly yeah for around travel. Yeah. <laughs> it is my passion in life like all I ever wanted to do I remember learning about the navigators in history in school Ferdinand Magellan the first man to navigate the world or circumnavigate the world I was like I am going to be Ferdinand Magellan of the 20th century oh. 21st century I just want to circumnavigate the world I want to go around the world I want to see all these different countries. I was so my dad was indirectly in the tour in the in the traveling. No, I won't say he was in the travel. He was in freight. So yeah. he used to travel a lot and we'd get to go traveling a lot with him. So I was always exposed to like lots of different cultures and things like that. And I went to an international school. So every year I'd meet like, I'd be dying to get back to school in September. Cause like, Stop. who's going to be in school this year? There'd be people from Nigeria, people from Sierra Leone, people from the Middle East, people from all these. And I'd be like straight over to them. So tell me about your culture. And I was just always really interested in, other people cultures. who weren't from Ireland, yeah. basically, like, you know, and especially like, why are they in Ireland? Because back then it was just Irish people in Ireland. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? So when somebody new came, it'd be like, I'd be all over them going, I want to know all about your country. Yeah, yeah. And I know your flag and I know the capital and I know the currency. And anyway, I was just mad for learning about countries and cultures. And my parents have the travel bug and they used to take us traveling with us, with them. Um, so I'd seen a lot of the world. Like I'd been to every continent at the age of 13. By 13, wow. I'd been to every wow. continent. Um but I couldn't wait to like be able to just do it by myself. Not yeah. with my parents, you know. Um, but I, as I said, I loved travel and tourism so much. So I went and did tourism and marketing in college. 
and um, planned on working in that industry in life. And then I ended up just going traveling around the world and I worked in hospitality. Which is oh, yeah. Not really. In, it's indirectly in tourism. So that's what I did for a long time. And I lived in America. I lived in Australia, traveled all around Asia, got a green card, moved to San Francisco, then New York. And I was there for a good chunk of time, met my husband. And then we were there for a few years and we came home. He's Irish though, is he? He's Irish, yeah. yeah. Met a Tala man. Oh, right. On the, steps, <laughs> on the steps of an Irish bar in the middle of January, minus 16 outside, snowing. We were the only two people no. outside smoking. So if it wasn't for the smoking ban, I would never have met him. Wow. Um, yeah, I've never met him in Ireland. I know. He's from the one way. side of the city. He's from another side of the city. Like, if you're you know. from Ireland, you have to go to an Irish bar. What's my yeah. dad like? Well, you see, Everywhere I don't, I never did Irish bars in New York. Oh, I, was, really? I was like, I'm not going to Irish yeah. bars. No way. I'm not out here to live that life. Um, so I would been home for two weeks and I'd spent all my money in Ireland. And there was a particular Irish bar a couple of blocks up from my road that I'd never been to. But if you bought two drinks, you got the third free and oh. I was broke so I went up to that bar the guys were all like come on let's go out I was like I have no money They're like okay we'll go up to the Irish Rover and um because you'll get every third drink free, free. <laughs> so I was like I have I literally have about enough money for two drinks so we'll go up and um I met him outside the bar that wow. night and I went off my separate ways and he went off to his friends and then I met him a couple of weeks later in a bar in Manhattan and then we ended up finding out a few weeks later even after that that we had mutual friends and then they hooked us up so yeah wow married now 15 years tomorrow wow <laughs> happy anniversary yeah we'll be 20 face. years now 20 years next um 2024 wow. 16th of uh, January 2024 it'll be 20 years Gosh. since we met in the steps of the Irish Rover wow <laughs> oh that's such a cute that. story <laughs> So um, you said you travelled a lot. Yeah. Barbados obviously was how we came upon yes. you. How you yes. um, contacted us. Yeah. But um, you've been there since what age? Okay, so my parents went there in 1977 on their honeymoon. And I've been wow. going back ever since. So they're like honorary Irish Barbadian citizens. Yeah. Like, you know? So they... They didn't go for a few years and then they decided, my parents were like, Aoife, you love your travel. Yeah. So you can pick out where we go on holidays this year. So I got the budget travel brochure. I was 15 years old. Oh my age. God, memory. Did. Yes, because they used to go to Cuba and Cancun yeah. and Barbados. Yes. And I had I whittled it down to Portugal or Barbados. And then I found this hotel in Barbados called the Casarina Beach Club. I said, Mom and Dad, I've done all my research. This is for us. It's got everything for all of us. It's got night, night, nightly entertainment for you guys and kids club for my younger brothers and sisters yeah. and like like volleyball for me and beautiful <laughs> beach. So they were like, okay, right, we'll go there. And uh, we've been going back ever since. Crazy. And my house is even called after that hotel. It's called Casarina. Um, we've such a connection to the island. Yeah. My sister's Sarah's over there. Yeah. You met Sarah when you were That's in Barbados. You, you put it, you were like, oh, my sister's over there. Like you yeah. should meet up. And I remember we went out for dinner one night and we were sitting like on, on the doll. boardwalk. Yeah. yeah. And she was just going for a walk and she was like, are you Eva and Natasha? <laughs> and I was like, are you Sarah? She's like, yeah. And like, literally, it wasn't like we planned to meet up yeah, somewhere yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Like, we just met and that was it. She sat with us and yeah. talked to us for hours and hours. <laughs> and like, she was so lovely. But again, just approached us and was like, and but again, with Barbados, I fell in love with that oh place. Oh my God, it's so hard not to. So oh. hard. Like, I spent... I spent my whole teenage years yeah. and twenties like just. They're having... Irish. They're like all oh, they basically are. Irish. They're it's Irish and it's Ireland in the sunshine. Yeah, like, and they say the same. They say shite. Yeah. They say they say all our swear words. They even like their their accent is even a little bit. Irish, it is a huge yeah. connection between Ireland and Barbados yeah. history. Anyway, um. 
But uh, do you know what? It's just, it's just like my second home. Yeah. And I, I was out there earlier this year and I'm going on a very exciting trip out there in October, which Lovely. I'm so excited about. Um, and my sister Sarah's there at the moment for Fabulous. carnival. So she's been back and forth. She's kind of been living yeah, over she was there. Living over there she was there for she? six months last yeah. year, three months this year. And then she's gone back over for carnival. So she, yeah, my yeah. cousin Thomas lived there for a while. Oh, oh did really? he? He lived there for two years. No way. Yeah, he was there. He used to work for. Did you um, sell? Was it? Yeah. Everybody that's from Ireland. Yeah. No lives in Barbados <laughs> for two years. Worked for Digicel. Yeah. They're like the mobile phone company. Yeah. But oh, they yeah. were doing man like owns the fiber. Um, they were doing the fiber. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And running yeah. all the cable okay. for us. He used to, oh, was it NTL or something yeah, like that? Yeah, so your man, oh, I can't remember his name. It's I don't, yeah, name. he tells He's a big me. Irish businessman yeah. anyway, and he owns the, the Digicel network, which okay. is like the mobile phone network in the Caribbean. Yeah. So all the Irish in Barbados generally work, work for, for Digicel. Digicel. Yeah, that is yeah. hilarious. And he yeah. loved it. He said it was the same, like the same, like it was unbelievable. And yeah, he felt at so, home, yeah. but you yeah. weren't at home. And it's so safe there as well. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, because that's what we were like to her. We were like, you're just here on your own. And she was like, yeah, but like I have friends and stuff. Oh, she everybody like, knows her. She was like, it's the safest place. Like, yeah. honestly, yeah. like we were just like, oh, fair play to you. Like, yeah. No, it's so safe. And everybody, like everybody, Sarah knows everybody yeah. on the island. Like, yeah. Everybody. So it's so, um, it's like, obviously we went to Turkey. We had a place in Turkey for like 10 years and you do, you, you make those friends and like, yeah, you get to people know every people. Year. And yeah. then if you're going back to the same place all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you get to know people. Yeah, yeah. I've, got, I've got great friends over there. They're like my I call them my family, like my yeah. brother, my sister, and all yeah. that. So, yeah, it's always great to go back. So, where have been like the best places apart from Barbados? Let's say that you've been. Okay, so top five places that I've been to that I will one hundred percent can't wait to go back another time is New Zealand. Yeah. Um, Thailand, Southeast Asia, but there's other places I want to go in Southeast Asia as well. Um. Oh God, let's see. Uh, I'm on the spot now. Um, oh, I love Croatia. I go there all the time as well. Croatia. Lovely. And I just went to Italy for the first time this year. How? I've only gone to Italy for the first time this year. But anyway, I loved Italy. So we're going back there. And I'm actually going back there in September. And oh, that's one other place. Hang on. Fiji. Oh, wow. Fiji was wow. amazing. I wasn't expecting you yeah. to say that. Yeah. New Zealand and Fiji. Oh, New Zealand! No, New Zealand is the top of the list for me. Really? Though. Oh my God, it's so beautiful. Yeah, like, it's stunning. Yeah. You even see photos and stuff of it, and you're like, it doesn't oh even look God. real. No, yeah, it's it just—it's so hard to even describe. But you have to go. Yeah, you know, you just have to. And go. are you planning on going traveling with your kids? The reason why I ask is because um, a friend of my sister's. <coughs> I remember a couple of years ago, um, I was saying to my niece, "Oh, and such and such will be around, like for the summer in your summer holidays. What he's going to do? He's going to summer camps." And she's like, "No, she's not going to be here." They're going traveling, Gemma, my sister said to me, and I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, yeah, they're taking, I was like, three or four kids, three kids. They went to Borneo. Yeah, oh, wow. For like five weeks, they did Borneo, oh. and I think it was China and somewhere else, and yeah. all three kids. And at the time, they would have been, that was probably, it was before COVID, so maybe four or five years ago. So they were probably like seven 12 and 14 amazing. something yeah. like that that's a lovely age to bring a yeah. my kids now are three five and seven they're absolutely wild yeah. but i would never i, I bring them traveling anyway yeah. Do you yeah. know what i mean I, it doesn't stop me i would bring them on a plane for 20 hours if i had to yeah to go somewhere the unfortunate thing for us is that my husband and i are self-employed yeah, and right. he runs well we'll he, he is the runner i work behind the scenes he works front of house construction business okay. right so okay. we can't take off yeah for three yeah. or four months at the moment and um, with the ages that the kids are and the way the business is running at the moment, yeah, 
you know, the building game is 24 seven, 365. There's no builders holidays anymore. No. Um, so we, we do travel, but it's literally 10 two week holidays or short little trips. Yeah. Mm. Um, I think when Ava's a little bit older, yeah. I will definitely, they're just too wild now. They're too yeah. close in age for me. Mm. Yeah to um, take them away for a little bit longer. In a couple of years when they're a bit older, I can see he's going away for like three months, traveling the world. I do plan on doing that. Yeah, Yeah, I definitely do. Like I'd love to do, the one I'd love to bring them on when we did it when we were kids as well is California from North, oh, yeah. Northern California down to Southern California in a car. Yes. We did that. Um, What's it called? Route 66? Like, yeah, Route 101. Route 101. Yeah, the Pacific Coast Highway. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, we did it from like San Francisco down to Tijuana oh, wow. in Mexico. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, my dad was over there for work. So we went for a month like, and it was amazing. We went to, you know, I was going to Disneyland like at I seven. Know. I went to see like, I got to meet Rockstar Barbie, which was like the highlight. Of, there's a picture of me just looking at oh. Rockstar Barbie. And Barbie's also big at the moment, you know. So she was like my idol. Right I met the A-team and I met Rockstar Barbie, which when you were six, seven yeah, years of age in 1986, so cool. 87, <laughs> that was like to go home and tell your friends you met Rockstar Barbie and be a Baracus was like, yeah. oh my God, you've made it. You life. were like, tick, 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 tick. Yeah. Off. My list. list is done. I don't need to go anywhere else again. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, California would be one I'd love to, to do, do with the kids. kids. Yeah. Like, a, like a big proper trip you know but we did a lovely road trip around Croatia last year as well yeah. which was cool I love that do you follow um the ungraceful guide oh my god yes I, oh, I, mean, I talk they do our website oh really oh, so I talk to them yeah no I talk way. to Luke and, yeah because yeah, I follow them like I follow them for ages it was actually Cora my sister. is like oh my god she is the amazing. cutest lover ever yeah. I love when she's talking She's like, no, mom, I take a picture of you. You stand up there, mom. She's so cute. But it's so interesting to see. Yes. So for anyone who doesn't know about the Ungraceful Guide, follow Luke. them. They are yeah. amazing. Oh, they have amazing. TikTok, Instagram, everything. But they basically travel the world. Um, they go basically the back roads, yeah, let's they're say. The backpackers, and they yeah. do it on a budget. Yeah. Yeah. So they try and do it as cheaply as possible, as safely as possible. Yeah. And see like the wonders of the world, the beauty of the world everywhere. They've been all over. But they had a baby. So they came yeah. home a couple of years ago. It was during COVID. She was pregnant right. in Thailand, going for all her maternity thing. Yeah, thing. I remember going And then COVID hit. So she came. Yeah. Yeah. She and she's getting great care over there yeah. Yeah. in Thailand. Like, yeah. yeah. And then COVID hit and they came she home came and had home. the baby. And they were, I'd say they were bullying, being stuck in Ireland yeah. for about a year and a half, yeah, which is the longest, right, yeah. you know. And then as soon as they were able to go, they were gone. With, yeah. And Cora wow. goes Cora with, with them. them. Yeah. So like you see her. They're in, they're in Mexico, Mexico now the last few months. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And then like she's learning. She's only two. I think she's two and a half. Three? Yeah, no, she's nearly three. three yeah. Yeah. She's in or around Ava's age. Oh, yeah. she's maybe a year younger than Ava anyway. But... And she's learning Spanish and everything. So yeah. they're going, they're she's in Guatemala. Sponge, like the stuff that she's getting to see. Yeah. They crossed the border into Guatemala and when they went yeah. in, they were staying in houses and stuff like that. And it would be like, Shared B and B's like yeah. the kids of the family that own the B and B would be there. Would play with yeah. her, and she play with the dogs, and oh then they're teaching God. her Spanish. Oh, you have to follow them. It's, so, it's so good, oh. like to see the experience that so she's, she's had getting, as a three-year-old yeah. that we will never probably have yeah. in our entire lives. Yeah. Like it's incredible, and they like are teaching her themselves, and they talk about possibly homeschooling her in years to come. Yeah, because I suppose that point will come now in a couple of yeah. years. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. So that's definitely one of the pages I'd. Yeah. I meant to go and watch it. They're, do you know what? It's one of like talking. And they're to hilarious. Today. And so I love funny. when Katie's yeah. always good, cause, you know, because Luke's the number cruncher. Yeah, right, okay. you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or even when they told her a, a few, a few weeks, good few weeks ago now. I can't remember where they were. I think it was Mexico the first time before they went over and came back. And they walked up to their door into their Airbnb. 
or a B and B, whatever it was. And it was the door was actually a slice of bread. So the picture on the front of the door had obviously been taken off something else. So the picture on the front of the door was a slice <laughs> of bread and it made her think of toast. And she was like, oh my God, all I want is toast. Just put it into her head. And Cora had never had toast before. Stop. So they made toast and I don't know how she got real butter. They had found it or something somewhere uh. and she had toast and then she had a crisp sandwich and she was oh like, these are the best things I've ever eaten. Like Just a gently. little thing. But like you were saying that the, the positivity radiates off you. Yeah. When you watch stuff like the Graceful Guide and stuff as well. Yeah. yeah. It just brightens up your day. You totally could be in the does. shittest mood yeah. ever and you watch stuff like that yeah. and you're like, wow, look what they're doing. It's so cool. Yeah. Like, yes. You really have to uh, create your own content of what you're watching. Like, do you know what I mean? And that's what I say and I love curate your own content basically yeah I love watching them yeah love and people like that you know is there any other ones that you have that you would watch um just from other people who like to travel and stuff like that um I don't know if you ever followed Jill um where are we going to travel to tomorrow she did that a few years ago with her two girls her and her husband Mick wow um and I'd be good friends with Jillian through Instagram we've been on a couple of PR trips and all that but she she did that a few years ago like you should see some of her highlights like of them in Vietnam they went to 27 different countries That's over two crazy. years I think the girls were born in Australia actually or one of them may, maybe was um but they yeah they've been all over Southeast Asia they were like at that place in Vietnam you know where the train goes through and oh, you're sitting yes. at the side eating like your lunch and all yeah, yeah. that's how I first came across her page and then they've, they've they've moved home and the kids go to school and all that here they're more settled but they do loads of traveling yeah as well, like you know um but I love that with people who just Take their kids away yeah, yeah. When you, if you can. Yeah, you know, if you've got that opportunity, do it. Do it. Your, I tell you, your kids. Like even we were dragged around as well. I yeah. say dragged around, like we weren't dragged Willingly. around, but we were brought yeah. to all these amazing places and had great experiences. And it's such, it's just great priceless. for children. It's priceless. Yeah. It's it's such a great education. Yeah. yeah, people say, oh, they're taking their kids away. They're taking their kids out of school. Sorry, but your kids are learning about other cultures yeah. and experiences and people and yeah. languages and yeah. how to be interact socially. You know, it's it's just such great experience for kids. As you say, though, I feel like a lot of that traveling when you're a child has shaped you as oh, the person that when you went through that trauma, you that had shaped you to yeah. be like resilient. Look, yeah, I'm going to be yeah. positive. I'm like, life's too short and I'm going to get on with it. And I'm living exactly. two lives now. I'm living for me and Oshin. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? So I do think that has helped you. I think traveling. anybody that travels though is quite an open-minded person yeah. to start with anyway. Because yeah. travel totally opens up your mind. Yeah. You know, you're just opened up to all these other experiences and people and cultures. Um, so I definitely do feel like it had something yeah to do with the way my mind works you know yeah the curiosity of other people and experiences and things like that and just being open-minded definitely even my that's the word that my therapist used to describe me is resilient wow. he says you're one of the most resilient people I've ever nothing will knock you down like yeah. you know you'll always be willing and ready to pick yourself back up you know which is very important it, oh 100% <laughs> so important. yeah yeah and do you ever like I know this is, would you ever just have one of those days? I feel like you're like, no. Do you ever just have one of those days and you're just like, no, the world's against me and I'm letting it. Like sometimes I'd be like, don't let the world come against you. Like, you know what I mean? But it is. Yeah. I mean, I have really shitty bad yeah. days. I had one today before I came here. I was telling you, I was yeah. like, oh, up to 90. Um, but I don't let it, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't say why is the world against me. Yeah, I yeah. never say that. Yeah. We all have bad days. Yeah. We all have bad hours. Yeah. Like when I lost Oshin that day, I wasn't living day by day. I was living 
minute by minute for the first yeah. few days, yes. then hour by hour, then day by day. And I think that kind of taught me in a way to like not think the world is like I could have been like the world is against me. I've yeah. had an ectopic, I've yeah. had a stillbirth. I haven't been able to get pregnant for years. You know, I could have been very easily said, of course, the world is against me. I don't get these opportunities in life. Oh, I've done something in the past. You, you can totally like you, as I said, I could very easily. That is the easier path to choose yeah, in life. That's true. It's so easy to go down that route. And that often happens to so many people because yeah. it's the easy route to go. The harder route is to, to pick yourself up and fight. Yeah, that's a hard route. Like, you know, because there's a lot of work involved in, in doing that. You know, but you do come out a better, stronger and your life will be more fulfilled when you just go down that route to anybody who might be in that situation now and is trying to figure out what path to go down. I would urge them, go get therapy because that's really going to help you. And talk, 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 talk. And just try and make your life. Do you want to be bitter or do you want to be happy in 10, 20 years time? Because when you work on yourself now, it's going to really, really help you have the happiest because you're only here for one one life. Yeah. And I actually listened to a few years ago, this really resonated with me, was on the Georgie Crawford Good Glow podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my God, his name was in my head and now it's gone. Uh, Jerry Hussey. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's one of the most amazing things, stories, stories I've listened yeah. to, yeah. right? And I say it to people, I only said it to somebody a few days ago, this is when you think about your life in context of time. He said, you have nine, on average, we live 900 months. When you put your life into the context of months, 900 months, that seems like nothing. Nothing, yeah. 300 of those months are spent sleeping. You're left to live your, your life, that one life. You're left with 600 months to live that life. How do you want to spend that 600 months? And I was like... I mean, it wasn't, it was a light, it, when you put it into the yes, context, absolutely. I was like, that needs to be a light bulb moment for so many people yeah. out there because you literally like have 600 months to live your best life. Like I'm, I'm 44 now, right? I turned 44 last week. I have probably sadly lived half, more than half of my life now. Jesus. Okay. I don't like, I know like that, like, no, but like, I don't like, I don't no, say more than yeah. that, but I have so much more to give to my life, yeah. so much more to live. But I don't know. We don't know when that time is. Yeah. All we have is today, tomorrow, now. So like you just have to love it, live it and breathe it like, do you know what I mean? Like just enjoy every second. You don't know. Your life could change in a moment. As I said, 405, 28th of September, 2016. 406, 28th of September, 2016. My life changed. Clicking my fingers a lot, sorry. <laughs> my life changed in that minute. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. that was so, like, you don't know what's around the corner. Good or bad, I always say. Yeah. We can't always expect something bad is around the corner. We have to expect that a lot of good things are around the corner yeah. too. So you have to be open to it all. But that's why I say live it all, like, right now. If you're living your best life now, keep doing it because you don't know when it's going to end. Yeah. And you want to be able to live and leave it all on a high, don't you? You know? Absolutely. Definitely. Mm. I feel like you've inspired us. <laughs> Six. I feel like all the, all my own stuff in my life is like flashing through my head yeah. now. Like you know what I mean. I'd say my fiance <laughs> Gary says uh, you definitely sleep for four hundred months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> well, anyway, we will leave on that. Thank you so oh, much for that. that um, as we so say, much. a roller coaster. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like in such a good way. And I hope that if one person even gets something from this, that will be yeah. absolutely amazing. I know I have. I definitely have. Yeah. <laughs> Same with Christine, I could tell. Um, you do, you just shine. Your aura is amazing. Everything about you is amazing. And thank you so much for coming well, in thanks today. for having me, girls. Not at all. It's been really great. Thank you. <laughs> be sure to follow us on Instagram at the T's and C's podcast. We'll be uploading posts and stories about upcoming episodes and guests. And you can also email us at the T's and C's pod at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow, rate, and hit the bell to receive new episode notifications on Spotify. Bye! Bye.